Good afternoon, everyone. This is Donna Pomerantz, the, the wife of the committee officer liaison, Mitch Pomerantz. And what I would like to do is um, um, our, our chair, Sandra Sermons, has asked that we go ahead and coordinate and have some brief introductions while folks are being served. You have your salads in front of you. Um, I'd like to get a shout out first to see if the ALD people are hearing me just fine. If you are, please say yes or yay or whatever you wish to say. But I want to hear from the ALD folks. People who are using the ALDs, are you able to hear me? Roger, yes? Roger, are you able to hear me? Okay, wonderful. I like that. Yes, yes. That's beautiful. Okay. I am going to, <laughs> I'm going to find our wonderful volunteer if, uh, if she can go ahead and take uh, the microphone around and do a very brief introduction. Madam Chair, is it that you would wish someone's name and from uh, where they are from? Sorry. That's what she wishes. Okay. So, and if you're on the committee, please state that you're on the committee and, and where, you know, so here we go. And I'm Donna Pomerantz, wife of the officer liaison of this committee and from California, the United States. Okay. Who would like to sit on this table? Raise your hand. Okay. <laughs> going to, I think it's John. Hello, uh, John Ross of California. Susan Thompson, Sydney, Australia. Alan Casey, North Carolina. I'm a committee member. Hello, my name is Oral Miller. I'm from a city that some consider an international uh, location place called Washington, D.C. <laughs> and a committee member. Tim Miller from Camarillo, California. Ken Stewart, New York, New York. Bruce Radke, Bellingham, Washington. Oh, I didn't give it to you yet, did we? Thank okay, you. Okay, Janet. Uh, Janet Wilson, Pacific Grove in Alta, California. And who wants to start at this table? Okay. Okay, go ahead. Uh, don't want to hear? Okay. Okay. Lupe Madrona, Silicon Valley Council of Blind, California. Here you are, Myra. Okay. Uh, Myra Brodsky from the greater New York area, and I'm on the committee. Bowmaster, Nova Chapter. Sue. Hi. Sue. <laughs> Roger. Uh, Sue, your turn if you would like. Hello, everyone. My name is Moses Baba Femi. I'm glad to be with the voices around the world. Thank you. I'm from Los Angeles, California. All right. Very good. Doug Powell, Falls Church, Virginia, just outside of D.C. Kathy Benella from Silicon Valley Independent 
No, Silicon Valley Council of the Blind of, of Mountain View. Bernice? Bernice Kandarian, Mountain View, California. Roger Peterson from Mountain View, California, where the locals are talking about renaming it Google Town. And, uh, I, and I used to be a member of this committee. Hi, everyone. Denise Decker from Washington, D.C., and I'm a committee member. Hello, or hola. I am Michael Alvarez. I am from Portland, Oregon. Uh, I am, am uh, uh, probably, the, other than Oral Miller, the most well-traveled individual in this room. Uh, I'm Megan Rowan. I'm from Oklahoma. Guten Tag miteinander. That's a little German. Uh, Margaret Buckman Garcia from Yosemite Gateway Chapter in Merced, California. Aubrey Webson, Antigua Barbuda. Mitch Pomerantz, board liaison to this committee from what many believe is a separate country, California, Pasadena. Where's the seat going? Uh, Paul? Yes. Well, we need a I, too, came from a foreign country. The last time I heard they're going to try to do that, and that's the great state of California, Bakersfield, California. Uh, previously, I want to add something to this international flavor. Previously from China... I think it's China, China. <laughs> Denise. No, I did it already. Oh, you did already? Okay. Would you like to start? Yeah, sure. Okay. Hi, everybody. My name is Corey Stuvey. I'm from Victoria, B.C., Canada. Um, one moment, please. If you did not get a salad, the lunch count went up and the salads are on their way. Okay? So we will serve you as soon as they arrive. Thank you. Thank you. I'm... I'm Naomi Sewell. I'm a member of this committee, and I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, and you will all be there next year. I hope to see yeah. you. Hi, my name is Jason Ion, and I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada. Wait one second. Mary Bilderback from Washington State. Billy Blyle from Washington State. Bill Blyle from Washington State. Hello, good afternoon. I am Selvaraj from India. Hello, I'm John Ray from Toronto, Ontario, the center of the universe. (laughs) And I'm a committee member, too. So um, we definitely have a a good group of people today, and I'm very happy that this event continues to um, evolve and grow. 
Aubrey is being a bit modest. He's actually an ambassador. He just, oh, I'm Aubrey, okay, but he, he's an ambassador. So, <laughs> um, what we're going to first do um, is something a bit different. Um, thanks to our committee member, Myra Brodsky, um, we have the opportunity to hear about... Hello from Tel Aviv. Okay. Um, we, 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 have the, we have the opportunity to hear a very special presentation. Apparently, Myra was in Tel Aviv, and she was able to visit their talking book library. And as a result, she was able to connect with the CEO of the talk, Talking Book Library in Israel. Um, his name is Amos Beer, and we will be hearing a presentation for him, from him, and then he will um, take some questions if, if our technology works, and we are going to keep our fingers crossed on that. Um, hey, hey. Um, I hope you guys get bread as well, but so this is unique. We're doing something different. We're relying on technology. We know that um, a lot of times folks from abroad can't necessarily come to a convention. However, they still have a great deal to contribute. So if all goes well, you guys can let us know how much you like this, and we can attempt to do some other additional presentations. So... Um, Without further ado, Rick, can you please um, start the presentation? Hello from Tel Aviv in Israel. My name is Amos Be'er, and I am the CEO of the Center Library for the Blind and Reading Impaired in Israel. I am very happy to tell you a little bit about our library and about myself. Before managing the library, I made my career in police force as a chief information and technology officer. My technological background has been very useful at the library, promoting projects like the online catalog and accessible culture like audio description for movies. Managing the library is a dream come true for me. I was born blind and have been a loyal client for the library since I started to read, going from heavy braille books to recorded cassettes and tapes, CDs, and now to online material that's available wherever I am. Thanks to the library, books have been a part of my life for 50 years, and I am shared that love with my free children when they were young. I know firsthand how difficult it is to be connected intellectually and culturally to what's going on around, which is why I'm passionate about making it easier for our subscribers to have quick and easy access to all our materials. The library was established in 1951, when the country was only three years old, and its first challenge was to invent Hebrew Braille to meet the growing demand for Israeli literature. As the waves of new immigrants arrived, 
there was a need for literature in different languages. And we now published in Hebrew, Arabic, English, and Russian. We also have agreement with similar library worldwide to exchange materials, giving us access to books in French, Spanish, and other languages. We work under the Marrakesh Treaty, which exempts libraries for the blind count members countries from copyright restriction and allows us to exchange books. As I mentioned before, the library started with Braille books, then added recorded books on cassettes and CDs, before going digital with our online catalog. We are proud that we record and produce all our materials in-house. The library serves the entire population, regardless of age, religion, or ethnicity. We now serve 9,000 clients, with the number growing every year. I divide them into heavy clients who read 10 to 15 books a month, regular clients who read two to three books a month, and others who read a book from time to time or only read magazines. We also indirectly save many of 24,000 legally blind and tens of thousands of visually impaired population with our accessible culture programs, like audio description for movies and plays. As a library, of course, we provide books in braille, large print, audio, and integrated text. We also produce newspaper, magazines, and compilations from different publications on many subjects, like sports, science, and literature. We are the only organization that su supplies visually impaired or learning disabled students with textbooks on demand. The library also produces items that require special printing, such as atlases and musical scores in Braille. We also produce accessible information for different organizations, such as forms and information pages for banks and government offices, and menu for restaurants. Our newest project, which has been operating for three years, is audio description for Israeli movies and plays, which makes it possible for many more people to enjoy cultural events. I remember going to the movies where my wife had to explain what's going on and getting shushed all the time. And I'm glad that is now in the past. And of course, my baby is our technological revolution. Two years ago, we launched the online catalog which is used by almost half of our subscribers. And from the feedback we have been getting, it has caused a real revolution in their life. For the subscriber, the program lets them read books online or other electronic platforms. 
like mobile phone, computers, and MP3 players, which means they are not tied to specific location. And all thousands of titles are available anywhere at any time. The subscribers can also order or request books, create playlists, state their preferences, make comments and recommended books to other readers. We also email our subscribers a daily update on new materials available. And if a client wants to read one of a new book, they can access it directly from the email. The library also benefit as we can collect a lot of information about subscribers' preferences to help us to decide on which materials and genres to focus on and to prioritize our production on new materials depending on what our client wants. The connection between the library and its readers has become much stronger and there is a lively dialogue among the subscribers themselves who have set up online reader groups to discuss their reading experience and offer each other advice on how to best use of the online catalog. This has started a real feeling of community. At the moment, the library only produces 8% of the literature available in Israel. So, how do we decide what to produce and in what order? We have committee made up of librarians, subscriber representatives, and outside experts. They meet every two months and have the difficult job of deciding on what material to focus on. We published bestseller automatically, and after that, their decision is based on requests from readers on the online catalog and to the librarians directly, and on understanding what trends in general reading habits. Another decision the committee makes is the order of converting our enormous database of books from analog to digital, so that they can be included in the online catalog. The future. For the future, we are in the process of planning and financing a new cultural center, the Center for Accessible Culture, which we are very excited about. First of all, the center will combine all our activities under one roof, where today we have two branches in different cities. Our production facilities will increase with three new recording studios, what will increase our audio production capability by 50%. To speed up production even more, We are experimenting with a voice engine to produce a synthesized voice 
which at the moment is of poor quality and suitable only for some types of uh, non-fiction material. For our client, the center will be a home for blind artists, writers and musicians, holding creative writing workshops, meetings with authors, and accessible arts exhibitions. Blind musicians will have a chance to record their first CD in our studio. The public will have a visitor center where they can experience a braille, simulators, and other education activities. And we plan to be part of a neighborhood. Our vision is that all the reading material available in print will also be available in accessible form. And for me, personally, if I go home in the evening knowing that one more visually impaired person have discovered what the library has to offer and enjoyed it, I can go to bed happy. Thank you, and I will be happy to answer to your question. monitored for quality assurance purposes. Thank you for calling Nugget Casino Resort Reservations. Your call is important to us. Please remain on the line for the next available specialist to assist you with entertainment, hotel... Thank you for calling the Nugget Casino Resort. Your call may be monitored for quality assurance purposes. Hello, operator. This is Yvette. Yes, hi, Yvette. We need to hi. we need to place an international call, please. Okay.
request to play the call, place the call, and not answer it. When the operator is trying to place the call and they're not answering, do we let it go for the chair, Sandra? Um, let it go what? that's why this is what, so then you'll need to come on up. Hotel operator, this is Lori. How can I help you? Yes, we need to place an international call, please. All right, um, let me have you hold for just one moment. She's a multiple Grammy winner and won an Oscar for the best original song in 2007. I have to hold a microphone to your phone. I can hold it. Will that work? But then he probably won't be able to hear the people asking the questions. Okay, forget it. You know what? That's all right. Just tell them never mind. But, but let's see. You know, I'll keep trying for a couple minutes. So that you can experience all that. Barton, Nevada, three so can I get your attention guys okay um thank you um first I will extend uh, a brief apology, guys. I am very happy that our um, event keeps growing. We have had some additions, so we've been squeezing some folks in. And apologies for that one. Um, we'll we'll try to do better next year. Um, it's a good problem to have. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. It, indeed, it is. Um, part two of this, if. It, we're having some technical issues. If we um, get that working, then fine. If not, um, we'll go on and perhaps, you know, at the end, we can. I can make a list of questions, and I don't know. We'll we'll think of something. But um, part part two, as usual, is always our discussion of kind of where we are, what we're doing, where we need to go. Um, this year, we're in a, a, a very good position because we've been hearing things of, you know, bridging the gap. Passport to new frontiers, passports to just new horizons. What can we do? Um, it would be very helpful because some of the things that we're discussing are finding innovative ways of bringing technology, Braille, um, things to blind folks that traditionally we, we may have had some difficulty. So, Aubrey, would you mind if I briefly put you on the spot? Because what I'm, I'm interested in knowing is... I'm not going any further. Um, so we're, we're talking about ways of kind of bridging, bridging the gaps. Can you just briefly touch on, Aubrey, some of the other means of um, bridging the gap in terms of Braille and technology in the developing world? In Sorry. <laughs> um, Aubrey, if, if you could do that for me, that would be really good. And I'm taking the microphone to Aubrey. Yes, sweetheart, I promise after this I will sit down and eat. 
I've heard that one before. I will. I promise. We actually have two microphones. Thank if you. That'll make Thank it you easier. very much. They speak, they speak as if you're deaf, right? <laughs> I didn't mean for that to come over the mic. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of wait until the serving is done. Could I make a request of the servers that they do, you do your best, we know it's, it's difficult here, but could you, like, maybe whisper... Do your best to do your best to whisper in someone's ear, please. Thank you. I know. Okay, just let me tell you right now, your vegetable is broccoli, and it's going to be at twelve o'clock, and you're having pasta for lunch. How about that? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. You. That's it, it, that's okay. We're good. No, I want to announce that I serve you your lunch. <laughs> I'm joking. It's a bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you very much. <clears throat> thank you very much. And thank you, Sandra. Is it Sandra or Donna? Sandra. Sandra. Thank you. Okay. So, um, so to respond to Sandra's question on how we bridge a gap between or plenty that we have here in the United States and... Uh, um, increasing, but in different countries, um, very significant challenges. I want to put before you two scenarios. Firstly, in the in the, there are the world is divided into um, developed, so-called so middle-income countries. That is those countries that are above the world mark for economic development and then developing or low-income countries. As you would probably guess, most of the low-income countries are in Africa. In our hemisphere, Haiti is our only low-income country in real terms. And... Um, Countries in the Caribbean, most of them are climbing out of low income and are defined as middle income. Development is defined by a rather arbitrary um, standard. It's economic. But what we have done recently is say, no, that's not the best judgment. We need to talk about how can... We need to measure poverty by other milestones. Okay? So development generally is if you make less than a dollar and 25 cents a day, you're considered low, low income, right? Haiti and some of the African countries, right? That doesn't apply to places like the Caribbean, but it doesn't mean that people could afford um, the things that we afford here in America, right? So they're measuring it now by... How can by can you afford things to make your life better? Mm -hmm. Education, healthcare, and in our cases, accessibility, equipment, right? So, can we afford a, um, a slate and stylus? A slate and stylus might be five dollars in China, seventeen dollars in in the United States, I guess. Um, if you still have slate and styluses, um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> 
<laughs> and um, and and I'm sure you heard me say that equipment, braille equipment, and the cost of braille is very, very expensive. So that's where we have to bridge a gap. So we want. To, so how we should begin to look at how we can bridge a gap <clears throat> at the at the um, highest level when we are advocating in like Mitch and so on, my friend Mitch to my right, and others are advocating in Washington for persons with disability and for blind people, they should be talking to the senators about how could we help to bring the cost of producing Braille down? How could we help to bring accessible equipment into the hands of people? So your, 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 your role as a policy advocacy, at policy and advocacy level, is very, very important. Secondly, you throw away good things. In my part of the world, we try to fix things. You don't worry to fix it, anything. You throw it away, right? You know? You throw out a good um, Perkins Brailla. The good point, good example. You throw out a good Perkins Brailla, or you got a new um, two generations ago um, mini or something. You, you get rid of it. You throw it out. And... Uh, the next thing, it's, it's, it's probably refurbished or scrapped. The people who could use that. The people who would do really well with a 2012 or 13, um, whatever the model of Braille and Speak was, or Braille Mini or whatever. So those kinds of things. Equipment, technology equipment can be made useful for people who are blind, anywhere. So if you have equipment, and it's not, I'm not speaking about equipment that's very, very old. Sighted people in, in the Caribbean buy Japanese 2004 cars. As a rule, they buy cars, old cars, and, re, and recycle them. You, we could do with equipment to help school children to function better. So one of the projects you could take on is how could we get equipment Make sure they're in good use and good order, and 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 work a relationship with an organization of the blind in some other part of the world. That I think could be a useful project. So, Sandra, that's that's one of the that's one of the areas. Getting Braille production, the Marrakesh Treaty is helpful. So, I know the United States hasn't signed it. Or gratified. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> but if you could also get the, the Israeli gentleman was speaking about um, the, how they produce material and stuff. If we could get to produce material, getting working collaboratively with uh, using the, the advantage of the Marrakesh Treaty for copyright and get Braille books produced in other countries, that's a big hurdle. Or even get books on tape or a cassette or, or now in different formats. That's a big hurdle. So if you, could, if you could think of those joint projects. My final point in Bridging the Gap. ACB might want to establish or one of your branches might want to establish a twinning relationship with a city. And make that your adopted city 
in some Latin America or Asian or African country and you and speak to persons who are blind. You can do that easily with Skype and begin to see how you could be of help in collaboration. I think those are some ideas off the top of my head. Uh, sure. Mitch, I'm going to ask you, put you on the spot. Is that something that could be coordinated through the World Blind Union's um, uh, uh, North American um, uh, subgroup? Well, I was, I was actually going to ask for a microphone. Here, I'll give you a, a mic. Um, <clears throat> as we speak... Um, ACB is coordinating an initiative as I'm vice chair of the region, the North American Caribbean region. We have been trying over the last several years to get the Caribbean Council of the Blind um, to attend more regularly our twice yearly meetings as well as the representative from the uh, blindness organization in Haiti. And the initiative that was voted on in Toronto in March, um, and that was a meeting that neither Kim or I were able to attend, but Eric did. We are um, partnering along with our fellow delegates from Canada to provide funding so that the Haitian organization and the Caribbean Council can attend at least one meeting a year. Um, we know in the, the Haitian representative is a gentleman named Michel Payon. Um, Caribbean Council has been represented um, from time to time by Carrie Ann Eiffel, who uh, many of you will remember was our international guest, um, I think 2008 or 9 during my presidency. Um, that's any initiative such as the one that, um, I want to call him Aubrey. I should be respectful and say Ambassador Webson, but I've been calling him Aubrey since I got involved with WBU. Um, <laughs> but any any uh, any initiative of the kind that uh, that he's speaking, I think, could well be undertaken by this committee with support from ACB. For example, I know Sandra. <laughs> uh, Sandra um, worked last year in the last couple of years to get Braille riders to Tanzania. Um, there were some snags, and sadly, of course, Eli Macha, who was from Tanzania and just elected to be second vice president of the World Blind Union, passed away suddenly um, during or shortly after having surgery in London. Um, I know I hooked Sandra and Ellie up last summer when uh, WBU was in Orlando. I would suggest, Sandra, that 
you know, I, I've tried very hard during my time um, to establish or reestablish better relations with the Caribbean. And, and as much as Africa certainly needs our support, you know, Don and I visited South Africa back in 2002. We have friends there. We love the country. But I think that really we might want to focus our attention a little closer to home. Uh, Donna and I have made, I think, four trips now to the Caribbean. And I was thinking as Aubrey was talking, I've got a Braille Light 2000 sitting in a drawer that I don't use anymore. It still works. Um, you know, I, I, if we had a mechanism where that Braille Light could be used by someone in the Caribbean. I have a Braille and Speak that goes back many years and probably beyond help because the battery is dead. I don't know where you come up with batteries for Braille, Braille and Speak, so I used it back in the 90s. But we all do have that kind of equipment. How about your Versa Braille? Uh, no, that's, that's, that's so dead, Sandra, you don't even want to know. <laughs> that one... That one's way beyond help. So, you know, I I would encourage this committee to perhaps refocus, uh, and again, not taking away from the need in Africa. We know it's serious. But, you know, um, I'd like to see us rededicate and refocus our efforts at helping our, our friends and neighbors in the Caribbean. That sounds like a very good idea to me. Um, you know, I, I sending a helping Tanzania is is wonderful, and I'm you know, um, but I think um, kind of as you indicated, uh, refocusing things kind of a little closer to home. We we visit the Caribbean, we know the Caribbean, and that might be a very good idea to just sort of. You know, not necessarily work out the logistics now, but to take that back to and um, put it on our list of priorities in terms of activities that we want to pursue for this coming year. Should the president um, decide to allow me to continue to chair, and I'm sure Aubrey, um, you would be willing to help as well. Yes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the truth. The truth is, um, I would. I would be. I would do my best to facilitate, but time is right. No, actually, I. Um, I, I kind of figured that it would probably be, but but just in terms of perhaps um, some contacts or Absolutely. things of that Absolutely. nature. That Absolutely. that would be, and you know, um, that that I think would be the best um, utilization of your resources and everything like that. <coughs> Um, would anybody else like to weigh in, comment, offer pros, cons, somewhere in between? Raise your hand, and my mic runner will bring you the mic, and please identify yourself. Thank you. I have a mic, so Okay, excellent. You were the first one to raise your hand. Sweet. Okay. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is Maude, Pennsylvania Scholarship Award uh, recipient. Um, I had a quick 
uh, proposal, my, my thought was that, you know, we, we have these uh, tech companies that provide us with excellent Braille equipment. And I was wondering, is it possible that if, if there's a way we could send our old used equipment to the company, have them refabricate it, send it, send it out to the outside countries, like in Africa and the Caribbeans, and if it's at all possible, because corporations are incentivized monetarily, if they could somehow use that as a tax write-off, as a donation. Uh, it's just a thought. I think that that's Thank an, you. I think that that's an interesting um, thought. Definitely not something that I had thought of. It's, it's certainly worth exploring. And if, if we are able to get the companies, even a few of the companies on board, then, then I think you also um, increase the, the quality and um, establish a, a lot more networks. And I, I think it potentially could be a very good initiative. I'm to your right. Hello, this is Roger. Uh, I have a couple of ideas. One, one that occurred to me a little while ago was it seems as though maybe the uh, sorry, I'm feeding back here. Um, it seems as though the, the fact that lots of things that we used to buy for thousands of dollars are now apps that are uh, run on cell phones or iPhones or whatever could could be a useful thing because I understand a lot of people in the third world have do have some sorts of of phones of wireless phones. I don't know whether that's a possibility or not. But the other thing that just occurred to me recently, while you were talking about refurbishing and repurposing, um, I know a guy at San Francisco State University. Um, his name is Ralph Hotchkiss, and he's a recipient, he was a recipient a few years ago of the MacArthur Genius Award, and what he does is design wheelchairs for the third world. He designs them in such a way that they can be made out of bicycle parts and things that are there. And I wondered if someone were to go and chat with him, he probably had would have some suggestions about how to do that with our kind of, our kind of Equipment technology. Are you volunteering, Roger? That's <laughs> yeah, possible. Thank you. Oh, you know, also I wanted to just mention when you're talking about old equipment that a while back um, some some people in our our um, Compton chapter, which unfortunately has ceased to exist apparently, uh, were they got a hold of some old Braille and speaks. Speaking of dead equipment, but they were, they were managed to, managing to get them to work. And the, uh, Michael Williams in that chapter was teaching uh, people who don't know Braille to use Braille and Speaks as a means of writing, you know, reading and writing. Um, they know that just know the keys, they don't know that they have anything to do with Braille dots or anything. But I don't know, those are just a couple of things that, that might might uh, spur the imaginations of folks. 
I definitely like that idea, Roger. And um, we again, we can we can work out the logistics, but it would be worth approaching the gentleman to find out what, if any, if he has any thoughts um, on the idea. I do. Yeah. Yeah, or you can if. if like if you know of a company that goes to other countries and helps blind, we could donate brailers to them to help. Like I'm part of a company called Global Cane Outreach. That's where we go to other countries and help blind children that don't know mobility. We teach them that and how to be independent. So we could bring brailers to them. And the president's in California. So if Can you oh. identify yourself, please? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm Jason Ion. Thanks. Yeah, I'm part of what's called Global Cane Outreach, where we go to other countries and help blind children with no families and no, be independent. So we can bring brailers to them if you can. Excellent. Um, yes. Please see me after the meeting. Okay. Sure. <laughs> to your right hand. Um, to your right. I'm Janet Wilson from Pacific Grove, and these are great ideas, and it'd be nice to you know coattail on other organizations that are already doing things like this. Um, about probably eight years ago, I went with a group called the Pastures for Peace to Cuba. They take they were taking like 10 tons of humanitarian aid down. And um, as my part, I collected all sorts of um, glasses and specialized equipment for the blind, you know, uh, reading aids and things, and took you know, tons and, well, not tons, but, you know, boxes and boxes of that stuff and gave them to the blind organizations in Cuba. So, Go ahead, Aubrey. Um, here, I'm coming over. Oh. I think the, the young lady who just spoke is on to something. Um, one of the things that I have been pushing very strongly is um, persons who are blind and other disabilities in refugee camps. And probably more than anywhere else, refugee, refugee camps will gobble up these things, these kind of equipment. Of course, one of the challenges we would have, they have two challenges, of course, in that situation, I wish refugee camp, is um, somebody to teach them how to use it. <coughs> That's very important. And then repairs. So if we could figure out a way as an organization, um, how, and I, I, I got involved recently with a young visually impaired, a totally blind woman from Boston, she of Lebanese descent. And she has a cracking program. She started her own organization that's providing service to blind children in Lebanon and that part of the world. A very, very, very good she's an MIT grad. And people like that would, would be, and her aim is inclusion. Her aim is to get blind people to have access to, to, to information and materials. So I'll touch base with her on that and let her know about some of the ideas you have here. But very importantly um, would be to get some of these things into, the, uh, into refugees camps uh, and, and get some volunteer to teach people how to do it, how to use it. Because we know that, um, unfortunately, you know, war and is, is on the rise, and there's no shortage of folks who are in refugee camps and who could really benefit. In some instances, you know, um, even just the, the basics, they can, they, all they need is the basics, and, then, and it, it can make a real difference in their lives. 
Right. Anyone else? I'm just saying in the, in the camps, things like brailers and slates and those kind of things. In, in the camps, things like brailers and slates and so on are more useful than the electronic things because, um, we get, you know, you're not sure of the electrical um, situation in those places, but brailers, slates, abacuses, those kinds of things. Paper, of course. And, and people will innovate in terms of paper. Because, I mean, I, I used to innovate, so. <laughs> and I, so people will innovate, but, but paper and so on will be useful. Oral, is there something you'd like to add? There was a reference, this is Oral Miller of Washington, D.C. There was a reference <clears throat> to uh, uh, Braille paper. And uh, I was just telling the gentleman next to me that I have not bought Braille paper in years because uh, I receive through the mail, at least here in the USA, so many ads that are written on large cards <laughs> that are almost that are almost as large as your standard uh, old-fashioned 10 by 12 uh, braille paper. And these can be accumulated, and now not all of them are that big, but on the other hand, <clears throat> not, all the use, not all the uses of braille uh, require big sheets like that. You know, the thing that comes maybe a postcard size or some uh, variation between that size and that full size I was talking about. So really, these things can be kept. Uh, I have uh, kept them over the years, and I have a stack of those big cards now probably, uh, oh, probably two and a half, three inches thick. So uh, those can be useful too. Yes, they are advertising. Yes, they have stuff printed on them. Yes, they're in color, all of these things, but for the uh, invaluable art, skill, need, whatever you want to call it, of writing Braille for uh, utilitarian purposes, they are uh, very difficult to beat. Hi, everyone. It's Denise Decker again. And a thought about abacuses and slates and, and small items like that, they're a lot easier to, to transport than would be large, heavy equipment. So just a thought to keep in mind. Um, since I happen to have my own... Since I happen to have my own microphone, I will ask this issue, Aubrey. Maybe you can shed some light on it. Um, the difficulty that we sometimes have, uh, free matter seems to be harder to do these days. Um, do you have any thoughts on shipping 
things free matter, particularly out of the country, because we, and I thought maybe it was just a one-time thing, but no, D.C., Dallas, I've had um, several horrific experiences trying to ship something free matter. And I'm just wondering if you have experienced this or have any any techniques, particularly when going out of the country. Thank you. Well, the thing is, they're not going to ship technology free matter. They're just, they're just. Guys, can you please keep it down? They're not going to ship technology free matter, books and papers and so on. Because of a lot of them interpret free matter to be braille. Not equipment, but like braille paper, braille books. However, what I think I was just whispering, not so whispering, to Mitch, that what you can what you what you might want to begin to do in a really serious way is have the ACB rep in DC. I think that's um, Bridges, right? Eric. Eric? Have Eric speak to some of the development organizations in D.C., like um, Catholic Relief Services or Oxfam and so on. So remember, so we have to step out of the tradition, step out of the box, because those organizations, Save the Children and so on, they ship things to the countries that you want to send things to, and they ship it at the at free or at the cost of development fund development support which is way below any other cost and if you were sending a shipment of stuff not one braille note but you know a, a, a sizable shipment of equipment for blind persons in a refugee camp those agencies would gobble it up they would take it so have him begin to speak to those groups UNICEF as well UNICEF as well. I'm coming to you, Jason. Hi, I'm Jason. Hi, I'm Jason Ian. Like I said, instead of maybe us just sending it in the mail, if we had a group of us, you know, go out there and so that way we can show the people how to use it and instead of just sending it in the mail... Because like, like a group of us are bringing canes to the blind, so we can bring other stuff, and so yeah, that's, that's another idea if we can get more groups to do that. And if any of you ever want, if you go to globalcaneoutreach.com, you'll see our what we do. Is there anyone else who had a comment or question? Yes, Sandra. It's John Ray. A question, uh, Aubrey. If if he, if we were able to identify a particular country or maybe two, would it be possible to go through either their ambassador to the United Nations or to their? Would it, would it be possible to get the ambassador to the United Nations of a particular country or or their representative in Washington 
to help expedite sending some of this equipment to an organization within their particular country. Is, is that a possibility? The, the two, I would say two things on that again. The United Nations ambassadors wouldn't be the ones to do that. The United, the, the, the countries, consulates or embassy, there's a big difference. So the United Nations group is connected to the UN, while the country ambassador, of, ambassador to the United States or whatever, or the consulate, are the agencies that are responsible. And consulates may very well help to, to, to do that, but they won't be able, I don't think they will take on the responsibility of shipping it, but they will be able to guide you in terms of how you might get it there. Um, but I think some of the ideas that some people throw out here, the person who talked about holidaying and writing it off, that actually is quite a good example. It's quite a good, it's quite, quite, you could, it's worth exploring something like that um, they do it in healthcare all the time. Doctors, dentists, they go to the Caribbean or some country for a week or two weeks, 10 days. They offer their service three or four of those 10 days. They have a nice holiday on the beach and they write it off. So you might want to explore that. Yeah, let, let me add to that. <laughs> because we did that. When we went to South Africa in 2002, um, I was contact, contacted through my work with uh, L.A. City Department on Disability, and there was a lady who was visiting from Durban, and I was doing disability awareness training, uh, windmills attitudinal awareness training, and Shaquilla and I got to talking, and the next year, I think she came over in 2001, and she invited Donna and me to come over, and Shaquilla and I did two training sessions, one in Durban and one in Johannesburg. And uh, I wrote my half of the trip off, and we were there for, I think, 15 days. It is legal, it is kosher, and, uh, and, and you know, I think the folks really benefited from the training, and we had a, we had a fine vacation. I wondered where that idea came from. Um, Pam Shaw used to propose that all the time. And now I know, Mitch, it came from you. Uh, 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 hello, everybody. It's Malad again. Um, I was the one who suggested that we refurbish and have a write-off for the corporations. Um the other thing I was thinking is, you know, a lot of colleges um, look for internships and volunteer hours as requirements. Would it be possible to recruit students through, um, oh, I'm, I'm blanking out on some big names for Braille companies that produce, um, yeah, Perkins, Humanware, um, Ambutech, anything like that. If they would be able to volunteer their time 
So now we have the manpower to potentially refurbish this. Um, it, it might need some polishing, but it's just a thought. That's definitely an idea worth it's definitely an idea worth exploring. I'm I'm not sure just logistically, but they're all these are excellent ideas and you never quite know which ones will materialize so yet. Anyone else? Yes, no, maybe so? Okay. Um, so what we'd like to do, we, we don't intend on um, going on forever, but um, this sort of dovetails nicely. We now know that it's about bridging the gap. Um, and just taking this home a little, um, we have such a, a good crowd here um, we've we've got some potential initiatives. Are there other things that you guys would like to see our international Re international relations committee doing? Uh, this is Michael Alvarez. I want uh, Michael, you need a microphone here. Um, one of the things, and I don't know if this is necessarily in the ambit of the international relations committee or who, but certainly I, I would like to bring it up. Um, I would like to see. At every ACB convention, national convention, on the first session, um, I think it would be really nice, given the large number of Hispanic and Hispanic-speaking people in the United States, that somebody, not necessarily the president, if he she can't speak it very well, but somebody gives a greeting on, which would be on the radio and stuff for in Spanish. Um, so that so that people can say that we in an ACB that we welcome them. I know that that used to happen. I'm not sure what. Any other thoughts, comments, initiatives? Here, Mitch. I th I think I think Michael already knows it because um Michael if if you don't know I'm the one who uh who uh suggested you to uh to George Holiday um we are in the midst of a strategic plan that involves a number of initiatives and the one that uh I'm a part of uh, addresses affiliate and membership issues. And going back to 2007 when uh, we had a all too brief um, initiative to have the um, 
to have the uh, ACB uh, uh, telephone information line uh, provided in Spanish, um, we are beginning the process of coming up with some ideas and some some uh, areas to outreach to the Hispanic community. We um, we need to do that, and um, we have um, uh, some folks working on that. Um, George Holliday, who is involved with membership, our membership committee, has been uh, seeking and finding a number of folks who are interested in outreach to the Spanish-speaking community in this country. And uh, we're hoping to do things like uh, have a program on ACB radio in Espanol. We're talking about, again, putting uh, the ACB um, telephone information line, uh, providing that in Spanish. Uh, perhaps, and this is a little further down the road because it will cost money maybe having the forum in Spanish, although I have to say from personal experience, when I was uh, involved in trying to get some some City of L.A. documents put into Spanish, uh, I didn't realize how different Spanish is from one Latin American country to another. <clears throat> I learned... I learned that the hard way. <laughs> you know, there is no universal Spanish. So, so you know, there are, there are some obstacles. But we, I think, in, in ACB, certainly those of us who are involved in the, uh, in the, in the uh, strategic planning activity, uh, we're serious. We know that we haven't even scratched the surface of uh, blind and visually impaired persons who um, perhaps only speak Spanish or, or, speak, um, who, or don't speak sufficient English to really benefit from our publications in, in, in English. So um, it's an initiative that ACB has taken on, and uh, Michael is, is going to get involved or has already gotten involved in that initiative, and you can blame me for that, Senor Alvarez. So, um, do we have talking books in Spanish? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, one of the things you might think of doing, again, because I'm, I'm uh, since I came here, I've been talking about the the future of of um, ACB and organizations like yours, and looking at the demographics of the the, the people involved. One of the things, and with the with the increase and the fast growing Spanish population, it might be a useful thing. To advertise as advertise right now, so at your next convention there is at least one ma one track one se session fully for Spanish and Spanish ah. speakers only, uh -huh. so that Spanish people can then be attracted to that kind of especially young Spanish mm -hmm. speakers who do not speak that much English, but would love to come and learn how to cope as a blind person. And if you had one or two sessions exclusively in Spanish, that's a way of bringing, of broadening your base and bringing more of more people into your into your um, group. And I suspect 
if that happened and you just got a good core group and said, okay, look, what would you like to see for the following? You, you know, you'd have a whole boatload of, of ideas and probably some folks who would be willing to help facilitate as well. Like myself. Like you, Mike, Michael. You too? Okay. Like was discussed earlier, the differences in the Spanish, um, somebody will, you know, their dialects, it's almost the, like in California and our Central Valley, the Spanish is going to be very different from that that's probably in Boston. Um, And I think that's, you're going to run into that problem, but I think all of them need to deal with it Mm -hmm. culturally because there's a huge cultural attitude about blindness that's very different from, um, I get it at home, my husband's Mexican, and he'll say things like, what did I do to get a blind wife? You know, because I wasn't blind when we got married, and I'm like, okay, if you did something, how come you're not blind? <laughs> but, but those are issues that need to be dealt with, and it's not so much the young population, because most of them do speak English, but we're finding the need for it locally. We run a Spanish support group at our center, and it's older. You know, it's you're retired, and it's a lot connected with diabetes. Uh, it's almost 100% diabetes, the people in our group. What's your name? Oh, I'm sorry. Margaret Buckman Garcia from Thanks. Merced, California. Down the street from Yosemite. <laughs> <laughs> By what? Literally. Okay. Uh, down the stream, right? How do you... Down the stream, down the river. Down the stream, then. Down the river. Down the river. Down the river. Down the river. Down the but what about starting a blind Peace Corps? I would be glad to volunteer to go help blind kids in another country how to use a cane and what have you. I mean, I think that would be a, a good start right there. Start up a new blind Peace Corps nonprofit or something. Just an idea. Um, this is Bernice Kandarian. And I don't know if any of you have been in this organization long enough to know that Derwin McDaniel was having the Braille Forum published in Spanish. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yes. I I was curious whether you knew Mitch, but it was way back. It was around 1990. He died in 95, and it was before he died. Um, The other thing that I wanted to share with you that as president of the California Council of Citizens with Low Vision, we have a brochure called Failing Sight and the Family Plight. And we have put that in Spanish. And what I did was I got about seven different Spanish-speaking individuals to, to work on it. And, and it, it's, it's, it's got its positives and its negatives. But, but you know what? People have, have, have utilized that. We also did another one, and it is, is more difficult for this one than it is for Spanish. We got, we got one done in Chinese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Sandra? Yes, Mitch? Now, Aubrey is encouraging 
encouraged me to say this. Um, time to give you the microphone. That was Donna. We, um, over the years, over the years, um, there have been a number of blind people who've served in the Peace Corps, including one person that I know personally uh, was in the Peace Corps. Whether she wants to uh, identify herself or not, I don't know. But uh, we have had blind Peace Corps volunteers for many years. Yeah, Bud Keith, Sarah Presley. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Sue Bowmaster, didn't you volunteer in the Peace Corps? I was in Honduras, and before me, there was a man from Arizona, Ramon Mugaray. Um, there's Bud Keith. Um, oh. Sarah Presley, she was in Morocco. Oh. Those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Don Galloway? Oh, Don Galloway, too. Oh, yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. There was a stereo standing one in Jamaica. That's right. There was a stereo standing one in Jamaica. That's right. There was a stereo standing one in Jamaica. That's right. Yeah. There was a stereo standing one in Jamaica. That's right. Yeah. There was a stereo standing one in Jamaica. That's right. Yeah. There was a stereo standing one in Jamaica. Any other? Okay. Um, before we bring this to a close, there are two things. One of the things that we try to do is make sure that we have contact information for our international guests. Um, also, we have an international table at the banquet, so if you are interested in sitting at it, please let me know before you depart. Um, and and the, we are making a list of the countries that are represented, and so far I have Canada, Australia, Barbuda, um, Antigua, sorry. <laughs> no, no, okay. <laughs> Nepal and India. Well, are we going to count Amos because he actually he, he sent a recording. I don't know. Right. And he didn't we weren't able to get the live connection. So, what's the pleasure? What do you guys think? All in favor say aye. Aye. Opposed? Okay, we're going to include Israel. <laughs> Anywhere else? And Puerto Rico? And um, John, where's the other, the the Democratic Republic of the Congo? Is that it? All right. I don't know. Francisco is not. I'm not sure why. Because when I talked to him before we, I went to Portugal a week ago. He said he was coming, so we will be having a conversation. Because. Yeah. <laughs> Because he was, he's on my, um, what I try to do is collect a tentative list. So I'm not sure what happened with that. Yes? Well, I know that there have been several reincarnations of the Puerto Rico chapter. Um <laughs> And I hope that it will some way someday come back. Yes. Okay. Um, the only other thing is 
Aubrey, we have a gift for you on behalf of international relations. And this is a joke. Um, it's a <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to have to tell a, sto- a brief story. All right. Um, when Carrie and you all were attending our conference and convention a few years back, one of the things that happened is that, well, Carrie took my uh, eye bill and kind of co-opted it as hers. <laughs> and, <laughs> and by definition, um, it shared it with Aubrey as well. And I had my eye bill, my I, <laughs> money identifier. <laughs> and um, so since you seem to like it a great deal, we have found you your very own I bill. <laughs> so this way. I, I, know, I, I just remember. Who, <laughs> <laughs> I just remember what? who I am. He, 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 he tried to steal my I bill and I had to take it back. <laughs> and then he, I, I, was, I was totally joking. I, he he's definitely was able to use it and I wouldn't have cared if he kept it, but I brought one for him, so I'm giving it to him now. (laughs) It all comes back to you now, huh? Even even if you try to steal, you can't get away. No. (laughs) So thank you very much. You're welcome. Please enjoy it, and um, make sure that you all come see us on Wednesday. Um, whatever that. One thirty, passport to New Frontiers, with the students. Thank you for. Sorry, Tuesday. I meant Tuesday. <laughs> Thank you all. <laughs>